Welcome to The Conversion Show, a podcast that's all about, you guessed it, conversions. Everything that gets you to your goal, whether that's purchase, lead capture, app install, content downloads, chat engagement, or demo requests, we're talking conversions. Hosted by Eric Christensen, CEO and co-founder of leading conversion optimization platform, Just Do Know. On The Conversion Show, Eric sits down with industry-leading marketers, e-commerce growth experts, founders, and entrepreneurs to chat all things conversion marketing. Be sure to follow The Conversion Show podcast to be notified when a new episode goes live. Like what you hear? Leave us some love with a review. And now, here's your host, Eric Christensen. Welcome to The Conversion Show today. I sat down with Mona Sutherland from Shop Melissa and Shop Ipanema skyrocketing uh, jelly sandal brand shop melissa you may have seen in nordstrom zappos everywhere you know mona has years of experience with adidas and other brands running paid media you know she focuses heavily on roas and conversions so we're going to talk about what conversions mean to her which are sales and how to an- how she analyzes those along with you know trends that she's looking forward to in the upcoming year with loyalty and secondary marketplace for their sandals. So with that said, let's roll. Cool. So um, love your background. Very diverse in, in e-commerce. Um, I like love that you have like traditional foundational, uh, was it Adidas? Yes. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like often with a lot of the DTC brands, currently there isn't that the art of retail, you know, that, that's sure. out there, especially with, with the importance of customer experience and like merch, like you mentioned the word merchandise, they probably don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> so, I really just didn't to hear your take on a couple of areas, but Amazing. Uh, what, so the, what I like to do is just kind of check in first bit here. And then our goal is to kind of aim for about 30 minutes Okay. Of top track time, just for people's, you know, uh, attention spans. Exactly. Uh, of course, <laughs> not right. long anymore. <laughs> yeah, but once we start talking retail, you know, it's hard to stop. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, what I'm, and so as we're learning, as we're doing these shows, you know, finding that something like if there's something we can dig into that really will resonate with people, and that okay, and something that stood out to me was it. You know, right now, zero party, first party data. Everyone's talking about it. Sure. What are people doing with it and how are they capturing sure. I noticed in your your lead capture, you are asking, you know, is it men, women's kids or boys, girls? Mm-hmm. I'd like to really explore that and learn how you're leveraging that. Okay. Would that Sounds be good. something you can speak towards? And obviously, it's what you feel comfortable. You know, there's only... You know, there's a million questions one can ask, but what, um, you know. No, definitely. I think that, again, just us, um, I would say that, you know, Melissa, if I'm speaking specifically around Shop Melissa, so Shop Ipanema just launched. This is like, it, and, and we didn't even, we didn't have a whole lot of historical data. With yeah. Shop Melissa, we relaunched, um so the company I work for now is a JV between Grandene, the Brazilian manufacturer and a private equity firm. They're really trying to commercialize in US, Canada, China, Hong Kong. And so we 
So we relaunched the site in early 2022. Um, How about this? Sorry to interrupt. uh Yeah, no. Is I would love to hear this story. Okay. So, you know, it's like, I just want to know what's, you know, where where are you, what are you dealing with today? Yeah. Because a lot of what people are uh, digital marketers, they're, you're having to manage a lot. And you mentioned like the dealing with that URL, like, that is a big, big thing that sure. it's the trenches of retail. Sure. And another it. thing, I mean, so my time at Adidas as well. Um, so I lived in Panama for 17 years oh. and I just recently moved back to the United States in December. How's I'm originally from California. Shot? You know, I'm in Miami, so it's okay. Uh, it's a very similar culture. Yeah. It's very Latino. Uh, some things, there's definitely pros and cons. I mean, in Panama, domestic help is affordable. I have a young daughter. So I'm now spending a lot of my time doing household things. Um, But for example, here, there's so many activities. Uh, Unicorn World and, you know, Disney on Ice and and whatever else. So so it's a transition, but we're getting there. Um, But when I joined Adidas, I was part of the team that launched the sites in Latin America. So at that company, a very traditionally wholesale-driven legacy company. I was part of the team that really tried to ramp up this digital transformation. And so we launched the sites 2012, 2013. I focused on paid media for those sites, paid media SEO. Until 2015, I transitioned into e-commerce marketing. I was also the first person to hold that position and basically tried to integrate digital into go-to-market. Um, so when our categories running football, we're thinking about going to market, activating those stories. What could they do with e-com? That's kind of, I was the person in the room that would help out with that. And again, eventually that position grew, the team grew and whatnot, but that was very much all about education, evangelization within this very wholesale driven legacy company. So, so there's some elements of, of digital transformation as well there. Um, wholesale and the is a um, really interesting aspect mm-hmm. to the web, you know, com- website experience conversion because you have wholesalers coming into the website mm-hmm. and you got to direct them to that section A and sure. B, I, I forget who I was talking with, uh, I think it was sophisticated how now it's on your it's on your plate now as the e-com manager to run the wholesale business. Sure. And that sure. experience inside the app, you know, with wholesale, um, what in how about if we step back real quick? Mm-hmm. Um shop Melissa, yes, Ipanema are part uh Melissa is is that the driving number one brand that you're managing right now? Currently, though Ipanema should really come up. It, it they're they're two different brands. Melissa, we've been managing for longer. So it's much more it, it's been the focus. It's also Grandeni's flagship brand. It's been around since 1979. It has some high profile collaborations. We just launched one with Jean Paul Gaultier. Um 
The team's been working hard to get the shoes on well-known people like Emma Roberts, Kylie Jenner was wearing a shoe. So Melissa's a little bit more visual, I would say. It's a little bit more in your face, whereas Ipanema should drive a massive amount of volume. It should be, it should be a big part of the business, but again, it just launched and they're flip-flops. So they're a little bit, whereas Melissa's more about fashion, art, design, Ipanema is a little bit more about fun and the beach and yeah. options for from beach to brunch. So, so as I think about our audience, you know, who'd be engaged with this this podcast, um, you know, what stands out to me is we're talking about a ecom manager. Looking at your role, mm-hmm. would you say ecom manage? Like, what would be the right now? I'm. I would say that. Like overall, what my role is, I've focused on kind of paid media mm-hmm. and digital marketing. Okay. So, um, and what's unique here and what speaks to people is multi-brands, uh-huh. multi-site, mm-hmm. multi-brands that yes. you are responsible for. Mm-hmm. And one, how are you managing that? I mean, that's a lot to manage. Absolutely. And two, is there, I'm curious, is there crossover Mm-hmm. Well, was working with one, working with the other. Like, do you mm-hmm. it, is it one plus one equals three? Sure. Or is it actually one plus one equals negative? You know, point five. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Focus. Absolutely. Um, the is wholesale factored in there? So right now, I run paid media, for example, with our wholesale partners. So Nordstrom, for example, if we're doing sponsored product ads, if we're doing any sort of additional presence like a banner or paid social, I would lead that. So I primarily focus on Nordstrom, Bloomingdale, Zappo, Shopbop. There's another one. And you're driving that traffic to to Zap? uh, Yes, we're, we're doing it internally. Okay, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So not to your own site. Mm-mm. How do you feel? No, it would that? be almost like a sales working budget. Yeah. Um, we and you're also of- responsible for driving sales to your e-com? Yes. It's kind of a conflict there in terms of your reporting. You huh? know, this, I think, is one of these age-old questions. And <laughs> you see it across all brands. I mean, I definitely experienced it as well. And... I would, first of all, I think that, so I would step back and say, the answer is, it depends on where your consumer is, because we also have Amazon, like we're doing marketplaces, we're doing wholesale. So we have presence again, via, via those retailers that I mentioned, we have some retail presence, like actual physical retail presence, own stores. We have brick and mortar brick and mortar. So we have a store in Aventura here in Florida. We have one in San Diego, um, another one in Florida, Sawgrass Mills. And we have our own e-coms. At the end of the day, you want to be where the consumer is. So ideally channels don't think of it as a competition, but they can find some way to work together synergistically and create this kind of halo effect. Uh, We do see though, for example, that the Nordstrom consumer is not the Shop Melissa consumer. Um, So if you look at the Nordstrom consumer, they tend to be a Nordstrom member, a card holder, their average age is higher than what we see on our own e-com. So there's gotta be overlap 
of course, but, but sometimes you do get different consumer groups as well. I'm just exhausted thinking about your, your day <laughs> and where, where, where you choose to focus. So, <laughs> and a big thing, this is kind of more a periphery for me. It's not what I do, but you mentioned merchandising before. Lots of conversations around how you segment, right? So you have a range of products and then what products go where. You're not going to have the exact same products across all of your different channels. Amazon's going to get a range. Your wholesalers are going to get a range. Ecom is going to get a range. There will be some overlap, but there's going to be things on ecom that you can't find via Amazon or via your wholesale. Like your ecom normally has the absolute largest amount you can find anything there. And then the other ones are much more segmented. And the big guys do that too. You know, I think. We're just going to kind of roll into this, and I do okay. my pre-record. We're going to do a new thing where you do pre-records, so and we have to have the awkward like, so, say hi. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you talk, you you're talking about the dot com and segmenting those visitors and having mm-hmm. better, uh, maybe a customer experience because you have the full wide range of products, the wide selection with merchandising. Do you have a preference if someone buys on melissa.com, you know, shopmelissa.com, or if they buy on Amazon, you know, do you as a digital marketer, is there a preference or does your company care? Something I've been wondering. I don't think so. I think that, I think that there's a benefit in every single channel we forecast. So we want all channels to, we want all channels to reach their budget. Of course, ideally, everyone buys on shopmelissa.com because that's the most direct-to-consumer. However, you need Amazon, you need the big retailers in order to get that mass. Is there a lot of conversations we're having is, you know, the what is your competitive advantage on your site? Mm-hmm. I know so you're collecting, you know, you're able to collect zero first-party data in your pop-ups right now. Absolutely. Asking, um, you know, I believe it's, are you adult mm-hmm. or boys to figure out, you know, for that. Sure. You know, Amazon, you mentioned as a channel for yourself, people love Amazon. They love mm-hmm. shopping on Amazon because they're customer centric. They create incredible customer experience. Mm-hmm. Are you, as you look at uh, shop Melissa and you're just launching uh, Ipanema recently, mm-hmm. as you look at, at that experience, capturing first party data, recreating the Amazon experience online so you can have that direct channel. Is that something it's moles in the back of your mind as you're, as you work in all your different channels? I mean, you mentioned you got your brick and mortar, Amazon, your wholesale through retailers, your direct Mm -hmm. a lot. Are you learning from different channels and trying to apply that to your, your own direct channel on site? Definitely. I, I think that One, we're trying to be consumer centric, focus on the consumer. What does the consumer want? Always the best place to go. So as you mentioned, consumers want things fast. They don't want a lot of steps. Um, And I think the reason why we all love Amazon is because Amazon knows what we want. It's incredibly relevant and it's super easy. So we definitely want to take those best practices and replicate them on our site. Some things we can do that it's much more difficult to do on 
partner site or on Amazon site is to tell our stories. So to present our product the way we want to present it, to give the background that we want to give, to use the imagery and videos that we want to use. Something that I, when I was looking over the questions, user-generated content is just massive. It's something that a lot of brands are prioritizing for good reason, because consumers believe other consumers more than a brand. So, which is why influencer marketing, and when you see people wearing it on the site, it's so much more interesting. And Amazon has it. I mean, Amazon has the reviews and, and people taking pictures. So that is super helpful. I think that's another thing that's great about Amazon is oftentimes you go to Amazon to read the reviews. <laughs> you know, you believe more what the people are saying about it than, than anything else. As a, a, you know, deep in your heart, you're a digital marketer, you know, your background is paid SEO and you're, you're driving demand across multiple channels in your role right now. Are you, are you able, or are you currently leveraging UGC to drive traffic in? We are. So we just did a big influencer campaign around Melissa. We worked with an agency to develop lots of influencer content that they promoted via Instagram, TikTok. So the influencers posted the content and then we amplified the content vis-a-vis uh, -vis paid media. And we also were using that content on our site. So homepage mastheads, product description pages, we're using that content within emails and we're also using that content for our own paid media. Was that um, like the micro level UGC or more paid influencer? The, that was paid. That was paid. The, we were, were trying to get more of this micro level at, at my previous life. We definitely did that. We had like a, a block on the PDP where if you wanted to share how you wore it, you could take a picture, use these different tags, and then someone's kind of moderating the content on the back end to make sure you're not... It, nothing, you know, that you don't want on your site is going to get through, but that would be just, they're not influencers. It really is this user generated content. And, and we do include, so within uh, Facebook, within Meta, you can, there's a UGC within the commerce manager. And so you can, it will show you people that are wearing your product and you can request the rights, or you can request to show that within your Instagram shop. Um, even if you don't sell like on Meta, it, it will show up there if someone is on a PDP within the Instagram shop. And we use that as well. So in terms of like trends you're seeing with UGC and, you know, as you manage these different channels, where on your on a daily basis, how are you prioritizing your time and your focus from on site, from in store, from Amazon? And you mentioned your uh, prior to our, to our call, you're, you're mentioning how you're running paid campaigns mm -hmm. to Nordstroms, to Zappos. How do you start your day presently? You just <laughs> launched a new website. You now sure. have a domain that isn't you that you're trying to redirect traffic off of. As you sit down. How do you prioritize? Definitely an art and a science, and it changes day by day. Um, I normally start with numbers. So I normally go in and see 
how the day before went. I'm highly driven by ROAS. So we see what the net sales were the day before. What did we spend? What were the products, the best sellers? What happened? Um, and then I'll kind of do the rounds and check the campaigns, make sure that everything looks healthy. And from there, it depends a little bit what the priority is. So for example, we're now migrating to, we're on Shopify Premium. We were using the out-of-box feeds. Now we're moving to a feed provider. So again, depending on what's going on in, in the moment, I might uh, focus my time more on one area than another. If we're going to be launching a particular campaign with a retailer, um, but I always, I tend to start with the numbers and then I, I flow into, into what else needs me. <laughs> you, you, you <laughs> make sure we're on track. You caught me, you pricked my ears on two, two elements there, ROAS mm -hmm. and out of the box. The out of the box with Shopify and, and other platforms are very, this is kind of the play as larger platform ecosystems are trying to expand their business with their current customer base or expansion and retention mm -hmm. in the SaaS worlds, what everyone's talking about right now. And so they'll create new product lines to create stickiness, but mm -hmm. oftentimes it's a bare bones. And so as sounds like in your situation might be one where it's great, this basic was good for us, but we need best of breed to, to fit our business needs. It would, is that the scenario that happened with your, your product feed? The, I know we're cutting up there. So with the out of the box with Shopify, it sounds mm -hmm. like you were using the uh, product feed. Yes. And you have since now found a, a more robust product feed tool app. Yes. And, mm -hmm. and that is what's, what we see as well and what's common in the market right now in the SaaS space is as retailers grow, mm -hmm. they use a, a basic function that a platform, a larger platform has built, but then they go and add a new technology to their stack. Sure, exactly. And um, is that something that excites you? Like you, or you'd be grunging, like, oh, I got to add another tool to my tech stack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is a conversation that I'm quite passionate about recently because since these sites are new, we're starting very fresh. So we're starting very pure and not using a lot of tools. But as you grow, as you become more sophisticated, as scale increases, you need to start adding to be competitive and again, to take advantage of the tools that are out there to scale your business. And it's really difficult to figure out what's best. Um, there's, I think I, I just heard there's 11,000 SaaS products out there. Uh, they're very hard to compare to each other. So coming from paid media, I want something to help me with paid media, I want to improve my ROAS. I want to be more efficient. I want to be able to have a one-stop shop. And I find that it's very hard to take three and to say, these do the exact same thing and, and go from there. So 
does it excite me? It definitely does because there's so much potential out there, but it's also extremely overwhelming and difficult because these products aren't cheap either. You're talking oftentimes thousands of dollars per month. Maybe it's a six month, maybe it's a 12 month contract. So you don't want to make the wrong decision when you're going to move forward. Oftentimes you need to choose one and not the other. You can't just have the perfect tech stack. So, so it's a tough one. Um, well, to provide maybe some insights for any listeners, mm-hmm. are there any that you might be really excited about? So we just started working with a AI tool. I'm very excited. AI is the buzzword everywhere. We just went to a meeting with Facebook, Meta. They, of course, were talking about AI, pushing their AI solutions. The Google Marketing Live that happened yesterday, they were talking a lot about AI. So I definitely see a value in AI, and I want to leverage what a human is incapable of doing. So we were at Shop Talk this past March, I believe it was in Las Vegas, lots of really great vendors there. And we met with one called Bidnamic, and we're going to work with them. They have a tool that is focused on Google Shopping, text ads, and also pages, like intermediary pages between shopping and your site to reduce bounce rate. And I'm excited about them because they will bid individually on every single SKU. So model, color, and size based on all sorts of different data. So user intent and your cost of goods sold and weather and all sorts of other stuff that for a human being, it's impossible to do that. You literally cannot do that no matter how much time you have. So I'm very excited. We're just onboarding with them. Very excited to see how that goes. Um, Again, because it's something that seems really unique and that I know no matter how many hours of the day I dedicate to Google, there's no way that I could do that myself. It's automation mm-hmm. really is exactly. what it is. It's, you know, how can you automate your daily tasks? That Exactly, exactly. You um... could do, could, <laughs> you weren't. If half your day wasn't also. If I wanted to, if I didn't want to sleep, maybe I yeah. could. Uh, what was the name of that one? Bidnamic. Bidnamic, yeah. Yes. And that, yes. that's something that I feel like I know uh, WordStream had a product that did something similar. Mm-hmm. You know, those have been around, but with, you know, everything takes time to catch on. Definitely. You know, and as, as AI is, is becoming more prevalent now with, you know, being with, with what, you know, chat and everything that's happening. Totally. Totally. Um, There's, there's tools out there that it's actually something we can leverage. Absolutely. I love what, what are they doing with the in-between page? Cause you know, it's all about as you know, the whole world of great, We'll do it all, but you need to build the landing page. Mm-hmm. So what they're doing is they're building this, again, in-between page where the goal is to really reduce load time and to be as relevant as possible for the consumer. And the primary objective is to reduce bounced clicks, which would allow you to reduce investment, lost money. So, and I'm a big believer in 
customer relevancy. I think that the more relevant something is, the better as it pertains to paid media, as it pertains to everything. So I'm excited to see how that how that goes as well. But it's like this, again, it's on your page. It's a Shopify page, but it's this in-between um, that, again, will just load really fast and give the consumer exactly what they want. And if that's not what they want, an easy way to find something else. Yeah, it validates what they saw. Um, with ROAS, I'm excited about this one because you know you talk about this post-click experience. Mm -hmm. Are there what what on Shop Melissa? Are there any strategies you're you're implementing for that post-click ad experience? There's a couple of different ones based on where based on where the consumer came from. So. For example, and please let me know if I'm being too media, <laughs> too media driven, but we just launched a campaign called The Real Jelly, and it was a full funnel campaign. Since Melissa, Melissa has been in the United States for a while, but we definitely need to drive more awareness around the brand. So we just launched a full funnel marketing campaign, again, upper, mid, lower, and the destination of each of those uh, campaigns, each of, of those, again, elements within this broader campaign was different. So when we're doing the upper funnel, we're using a different piece of creative. It's a video. It's a little bit more emotional. We're sending them to the homepage. If we're doing more of the interest, we're using an image. It has product, but it also has that emotional experience sending them to the PLP, the product listing page that has all of the products that are associated with the campaign. And then the lower funnel where we're really focused on sealing the deal and getting the consumer to buy, that's mostly the imagery is the feed. So we're really leveraging the catalog campaigns and then sending them to the PDPs. Got it. The, and the then description those uh, visitor segments, are those owned or paid? Are these emails going out or paid? So that, that that I just explained was paid. And the upper funnel campaigns, it's much broader. It's, it's very much, uh, we might use some interest-based people that like shoes or people that are looking to shop for summer. And then the interest ones will definitely be interest-based. So again, the upper funnel is much more broad. The mid funnel is a bit less broad, but we're still not using first-party data. And then when we go into the conversion focused, we normally are. We're normally doing some sort of retargeting. So as we, as we start getting in from the uh, awareness and the life cycle marketing into conversion are the elements of capturing an email address to send it back up for list suppression in Google and Facebook, um, the capturing zero party data, asking them questions, mm -hmm. sending that back either to your ESP or to your, to your paid campaigns. Can you talk a little bit about that process that you're managing? Currently, we aren't doing as much of that as we will in about a year from now. So right now, 
because the brand isn't really well known, we're very focused on traffic and conversion. Uh, I know that so many people right now are primarily focused on retention. And in my previous life, that was a massive, massive focus. Now it's a little bit more traffic and conversion. But at my last position, we would send kind of monthly newsletters, like you mentioned, asking people to tell us more about their interests. Um, we relied heavily on the app as well to understand their behavior, their interests. Um, so just continually trying to get a better picture of who the, the consumer is. We're also looking at options. So speaking about a tech stack, we don't have a consumer data platform and we're looking into that and very interested in leveraging others' data to lay on top of our data to better understand our consumer. You know, and that's the thing, you're not alone in in, in your efforts, you know, Everyone's talking about zero and first party data right now. Mm -hmm. People might be talking about it, but what's being implemented? Sure. You know, and, and amongst all our other strategies and, you know, with customer acquisition costs increasing, the conversation has finally shifted into the conversion and retention mm -hmm. aspects of it. What can I ask you? You mentioned, you know, <clears throat> traffic and conversions are a focus. Apologies. I've got. It's allergy season here in Northern California. <laughs> the, I'm from Northern California. Oh, yeah? Whereabouts? Mm -hmm. uh, from Los Altos. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm just north of you in, in Marin. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, I saw your UCLA background, too. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm an Aggie. But I'm not from LA. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, conversions. Can I ask yes. you a very general, broad question? Absolutely. What, when you hear the word conversions, what does conversions mean to you and, and your daily, you know, and the business of Shop Melissa? Purchases. Purchases. Mm -hmm. Right now, purchases. And one thing, if I can just add about customer data and segmentation and really getting to know these consumers and being as personalized, you know, personalization at scale is that in order to achieve that and for it to be for it to work really well, the scale needs to be pretty massive. Um, for example, currently, I would say that we're not doing a massive amount of segmentation. We might do a little bit. Uh, some of it might be adult versus kid. Some of it might be based on behavior. So if someone hasn't been engaged in the last six months or whatnot, but even databases that are really big, millions upon millions upon millions, if you have different categories and you really are like, I only want to target, you know, women who are interested in, it's like the more granular you get, it can kind of over-optimize almost and get to a point where it's like the audiences are so small that that you might not get that scale that you want. Well, and how do you manage that? I mean, that's where automation comes in, but still exactly. you're having to manage all those campaigns. You mentioned, you know, segmentation. In our world, you know, our whole push is like at least build out your top five, 10 
visitor mm-hmm. segments. And let's start there. It's kind of that 80-20 rule when you talk mm-hmm. about, you know, to you, conversions is purchases. Okay, great. Where is the revenue coming from in those purchases? And let's narrow down those segments and grow those by 10% versus this 1% segment that we, you you don't want to grow that by 10%, the big ones. Absolutely. Um, And so, and I find often that the segments that you think are the big ones are often the opposite, which is what's great about data and being able to leverage data is oftentimes what we think isn't what's actually happening. So as we we look into ROAS conversion purchases, Mm -hmm. That the you start your day, you're like, okay, let's look at my sales. Yes. And you you're looking for trends in there and then go to your being being your- very granular. I mean, what I do is I look at gross net and compare it to what we forecasted for net. Uh, so understanding the big picture, where are we in terms of where we want to be? Then I take the presence that that we have, again, very paid media focused in this particular instance. I'm looking at our Google presence, our meta presence, if we're doing TikTok at the time or Snapchat, seeing how each platform performed. So how was Google? How was Facebook? And then I add all of those up and look at the overall. So what percent of paid media? Okay, paid media represents what percentage of net sales and ROAS. And those are kind of the opposite, right? Like the higher the percentage goes, the lower the ROAS is going to go. But that's how I get this pulse check. So just looking at net sales, how we are compared to forecast, overall ROAS, but then I'll also do a pulse check on on the different platforms. And then as you go back and, and optimize those campaigns coming in, are you looking at which products, the product pages, the landing pages, that they're coming in to optimize as well versus language in the ads or visuals in the ads. Well, and a big piece also taking into consideration when looking at forecasts and looking at results is promotions. So promotions, as much as we love it or hate it, play a pretty big part in online retail. So that is also something to take into consideration and it's built into the forecast, but uh, when the promotion comes up, conversion goes up, Uh, ROAS goes down, conversion goes up. So, so just making sure to work that into what's going on during the month. Maybe as we kind of segue out here today, you mentioned, you know, in a year's time, you'd like to be somewhere. You know, if we could pause everything you're working on now, and it, like you mentioned, you launch a new website, it's kind of nice, mm-hmm. kind of refresh, totally you know, get rid of the clutter. Absolutely. Where would you like to focus for your business right now over the next three, six, 12 months? So I would say in the next six, 12 months, we do want to focus on loyalty. We want to focus on creating some sort of loyalty program, still deciding what that looks like and how deeply we want to go. But that would be a focus for us. The other point of focus would be some sort of potentially secondhand marketplace. So Melissa Ipanema Grandeni has at its DNA sustainability. And there 
manufacturing facilities in Brazil are very focused on saving water and giving back to the community and the fact that the material is recyclable. And if you return the shoes, can get them to the factory, they can be recycled and used again. So we're also working on how we can integrate that really important part of the company's DNA and potentially do something where consumers can sell their, give them a platform to sell their own, uh, their Melissa's or, or their Ipanema's. So that's very much in its infancy, but some sort of circular uh, option. Uh, the loyalty is much more medium term and, and the other one's a little bit more long term. That kind of you know, sparks two thoughts for me is one is stories, mm -hmm. you know, a story behind a brand, you know, with consumers coming in from paid media, not knowing who this brand is, the ability to communicate that to this new visitor before they bounce why they should why they should do business with this brand, which in Gen Z is really is a important component. Um, you know, we've seen, you know, Tom Shoes is one example, the one for one. Mm -hmm. It pops in my head. And I know you mentioned you lived in Panama. Was it 17 years? Mm -hmm. 17 years. Um, <laughs> I actually drove there to there from here. Oh. <laughs> yeah. In 2000 and I think 2003. No. Wow. Five, four, five. Um, Panama is unbelievable. The it is, it's is, beautiful. You mentioned the second hand use selling, whatever. I feel like the biggest opportunity in market for brands to make an impact is just donating these goods to nations that need some help. You know, mm -hmm. you've traveled a lot, you see, you know, you, you see kids wearing old sports shirts, you know. Mm -hmm. Or even like from the World Series champs that weren't champs, you know, it's like mm -hmm. we think, you know, we have our good wills here and everything, but there's still a second, third, fourth life on some of these products. Absolutely. Is, that, is there any, is that a play at all? We hadn't considered that, but now that you've brought it up, I think that it's definitely something to, to bring to the table. Brazil is no stranger to to well all of latin america really where these brands are extremely big is is no stranger to need so um i wonder if potentially brazil i know that grandeni for example does a lot of stuff with the local communities where they have the manufacturing um, but that is a little bit more around stimulating the economy as opposed to like you said a second third fourth life um, but I think it's extremely interesting. Definitely an opportunity there. I think every time car tires get replaced, I'm like here, I'm like, are you kidding me? Have you seen the ball? Oh. tires? In a... <laughs> it, 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 what surprised me about Panama and especially growing up in California, where I feel as though everything is a little bit new and shiny is that there are people that fix shoes. Uh, there are people that there's a lot of fixing of stuff, not just throwing it away and getting something new. Um, you know, and in malls, a lot of their stores that they literally buy containers of stuff, almost sight unseen, maybe 
a wholesaler returned it to a brand. Maybe there was something, I don't know, it got lost at sea, showed up and it wasn't relevant by the time it came and, and they'll sell that in, in Latin America. And it is, it's just, it's a total switch. Um, it's normal to go to the store and there's like certain things that aren't available. And I don't know, whereas here, everything's always available all the time. There's so many choices. It's almost overwhelming. So. <laughs> well, the, the fast fashion market's trying to grapple with that identity crisis. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's tough. And I'm glad that people are holding brands more accountable and and that they're really trying to, and the brands are responding and, and trying to make a difference. Uh, at the brand where I previously was, sustainability was also, like with Melissa Ipanema, a huge priority for them. I mean, it really, really was. At the offices, for example, we didn't have any single-use item no plastic straws, no cups. Everyone had a water bottle. Um, we did beach cleanups. You know, they partnered with Parley, uh, which is a organization that prevents plastic from entering the ocean. And it's really powerful. I mean, when you go to some of these beaches and clean up the plastic, it's crazy. It's crazy the amount of plastic that, that is there and, and floating around. So, and then what they would do is, you know, clean it off and then send it to factories back in, send it to the factory and they can actually use that. So are you, you know, if anyone visits shopmelissa.com, you, you can see that on their website, there is a lot of conversation around sustainability on the yes. product pages and even have your page, your sustainability page. Yes. Is mm -hmm. that, do you leverage this, this landing page in your, your marketing? So we do, we're working on a platform right now. We're wanting to make sure that we want to make sure that we want to make sure that it's relevant for the market that we're in. A lot of, um, again, Grandini is Brazilian and they're doing a lot of amazing things in Brazil. And we want to ensure that we're mirroring all of those efforts as much as we can in the United States. So we do use it, but we'll most likely use it a bit more once we're doing some more initiatives here. So there's definitely some things in the pipeline that are super interesting that we're going to be doing around sustainability, but we do definitely let people know that these are sustainably made. Um, again, a lot of elements around the factory, it is a, they recycle the water and they use solar energy. All, all the shoes are vegan. That doesn't really have to do with sustainability, but that it's very... <laughs> I, I laughed when I saw it. You know, I would recommend anyone listening, definitely check out the sustainability page because this this is impressive. All your videos, mm -hmm. um, the the factories on here, your solar. This is a, a fantastic story. So that's really interesting. So in they do you know, a lot. They really do a lot. I mean, listening to me explain it is not doing them justice of what they're actually doing down there in Brazil. So I also uh, encourage everyone to visit. Uh, and and see, they really, it really is a value. It, it's a company value. So you heard it here. Next projects are loyalty and 
the sustainability story? Is that how we? Yeah, like this. It more like the circular economy, um, how we can participate in that circular economy, the which we see market. a lot. Exactly, I, you know, you see a lot of of that now. That if we move to fashion, real fashion, that now people are really into buying not necessarily the latest Louis Vuitton bag, but they want to buy a used one. Um, the real, real, is that what that place, that stores? There's real, real, there's rebag. Um, there's lots of different ones. So yeah, lots of marketplaces that are really focusing on this kind of second chance. Luxury items get like a second that. chance. <laughs> well, what, what we need to figure out for, for the, the environment as a whole is how do we get that second, third, fourth use at scale? Because it's not one company that's going to solve that. Maybe that's our, maybe that's our 2025 company. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> well, Mona, uh, thanks for the time talk, talking shop today. Thank uh, you. It's like you, you have a lot of work to do. You're, you're busy and you've got a lot of momentum uh, going with the new sites. So congrats yes. there. Thank um, you. Domains, we're talking about shopmelissa.com and the Ipanema is shopipanema.com. Shop Ipanema as well. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Our listeners. Uh, thank you, Mona uh, Sutherland, for joining us today. And uh, more coming down the pipe. So please subscribe and listen uh, to The Conversion Show. We'll be here. All right. Thank you.